All right. Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to see all of you. I see most of you. Um, so I'm going to assume there's people in the back, even though I can't see you. Um, man, what a, what a blessing it is to be here this morning. And one of the things that has really encouraged me um, in this season, in this, on this morning, I was telling our team earlier, I felt like Peyton Manning with all the audibles we were calling earlier this morning at 630, trying to figure out what we were going to do with the power being out over at East Memphis. Um, but I'm grateful that even though we are not sovereign, our God is. And uh, can I get an amen? amen? And uh, so it is so good to be able to gather with you this morning. And like has already been mentioned uh, numerous times, the fact that on this final Sunday uh, that we get to gather corporately as High Point Church, uh, the fact that we can gather as two campuses is such an incredible blessing. And uh, later on at the end of the service, I'm going to read a benediction from Romans 15. And something that stands out to me about that passage is that in the passage, Paul says that because of the good news of the gospel, because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we all with one voice can praise him together. And we can preach the good news of the gospel together. That even though we are two campuses, uh, we are one body and we serve one God and we have one savior. And there's only one message of good news and it is the power of God into salvation. And so what I'm grateful for is that on this Christmas morning, we not only get to celebrate the Christmas story, but we are celebrating the gospel story because we believe that the cradle ultimately led to a cross and that cross ultimately led to a crown. Amen. And so this morning we can rejoice regardless of the weather, regardless of our circumstances, because our savior is not in a cradle. Uh, he is not in a tomb. He is not on a hill. He's not on a cross. He is on a throne. That's where he is this morning. And so as uh, we get ready to hear from the word of God, I'm going to read uh, our passage for this morning. And uh, the passage is from Isaiah chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles, I would love for you to please turn to Isaiah chapter 9. And if you are able, I would love for you to please stand for the reading of God's word. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. Here's what it says in Isaiah 9, verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in the battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray. 
Father God, as we come before you this morning, uh, we thank you, like we already mentioned, that the Christmas story points us to the gospel story. And we thank you, Lord, that because of what was written, you came to accomplish and you came to do the it is finished. And so we are grateful that because we, hindsight is twenty twenty. because we are on the other side of the cross, we get to celebrate uh, this Christmas story, knowing that it was just the beginning of it. And so, Father God, I thank you for your sovereignty. I thank you for your providence. You knew that we had to be here together as one body under the name of Jesus Christ. And we are grateful, Lord, for the fact that we get to worship here together in community. Lord, you are glorified when that happens. Lord, we are told in the Psalms that it is, it is a beautiful and good and pleasurable thing when God's people fellowship together and are in unity Thank you, God, for this opportunity to, to, to be here in this moment, worshiping you in Advent 2022. And God, we pray right now for Pastor Parker. We pray, God, that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, that the words of his mouth and the meditations of his heart would be honoring and glorifying to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Thank you for this privilege. Be honored, be glorified, and we pray that everything that happens in this service would be for your glory and for our good. And we ask all this. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, you may be seated. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. It's great to see you. Um, I, am, I think we're all just trying to kind of listen to what the Spirit's doing this morning and what God had planned and all of that, and uh, in a lot of ways, we tend to play catch-up. Um, but one of the things I, I want to just say from the get-go um, is, one, we're glad you're here. If you're from East Memphis, if you're a guest, if you're family in town, uh, we're so glad you're here. Um, and I'm really tempted not to say this because I, I really don't want you to think that we um, are just really proud of ourselves and, you know, always looking at ourselves and excited about ourselves. Um, I uh, had my annual review uh, a couple weeks ago with Pastor Will. And, um, you know, I survived, I think, and all of that stuff. But, but one of the things um, that I told him, uh, I just feel like um, I need to say to you. And uh, like I said, we're not all that there is when it comes to church. Uh, we're not the end-all, be-all. We don't have all this figured out. Um, God uses broken people, and uh, we are the first to admit that that's us. So I don't want you to hear this the wrong way. Um, but I've been at High Point since I was in the fourth grade. And um, one of the things that um, was clear to, to a lot of us um, recently was High Point needed a reformation. And um, I'll be the first to tell you and Will will be the first to tell you that God's word did it. Um, not any human being. Um, it was God's word that... Um, as the reformers said, um, they used the phrase ad fontes, which means back to the fountain, back to the source, back to the scriptures, back to the gospel. Um, but as often as God does, um, he uses human instruments um, to accomplish his purposes, broken, sinful humans. And um, we needed a reformation, and uh, God sent us the perfect leader to do that. Not perfect in his you know, behavior and all those kind of things, um, but perfect for this season. 
um, to, to lead our church into this season. And uh, I just wanted to publicly say that that man was Will, and uh, I am so grateful for him. And I even called him this morning and said, hey, dude, you're preaching, right? And no, 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 all those kind of things. But just his humility, his desire for you to know the gospel, to know the word, to preach the word, for us to sing the word, for the word to be center in everything that we do, um, for us to um, exalt Christ, as he says in John. That if we lift him up, he will draw people to himself. And uh, I just want you to know how grateful I am. Um, and as we venture into this season where our, our two campuses become two churches, um, the hardest part about this um, is going to be you. It's going to be not getting to, to go to the office and spend time with this brother and um, seeing all of our church family um, so I know Will's going to talk about it at the end of the service. We've got some worship nights planned, and rightfully so. They're going to be at East Memphis. Um, look around, right? We're going to need some room for all of us. Um, but I would encourage you in the new year to come to those um, because we have a finish line uh, where two healthy gospel-preaching, disciple-making, Bible-believing churches will exist. Um, but until then, um, let's really make the most of this next season um, together. Um, not many churches are... Um, dividing assets for the sake of the gospel going to, to two different communities. So uh, like I said, please don't think that we're just so proud of ourselves, but I, I felt like I needed to say that. But let's dive into this. Um, if you'll open your Bible, um, you've been in Isaiah 9. If you'll flip over to Hebrews chapter 2, um, this has become my favorite Advent passage, um, especially for this season. If you'll go to Hebrews chapter 2, um, I want us to, to spend just a couple minutes Looking at Hebrews 2, um, verses 14 and 15, um, we see the beginning of Christ's life and we see the end of it in two verses and all that Jesus came to do. And uh, I just want us to dwell on that this morning and talk about it for a couple minutes and then um, we'll have some time where we really get to, to, to be a church family um, coming up. Some of you are wondering what's going on in the front and all those kind of things. Um, but if you'll look at it with me, this is Hebrews chapter 2. Um, and I'll read it, and then I just want us to, to walk through it and dwell on it and um, exalt Christ in it and all of those things. But it says this in uh, verse 14 and 15. It says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has power, or has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death we're subject to lifelong slavery. And if you want the Christmas story in two verses, I know there's a lot of different places you could go to in the scriptures. This isn't the only place that talks about the incarnation and the crucifixion. Um, but if you want the Christmas story in two verses, this is it. Is that we as humanity, as children, um, we share in flesh and blood. And loaded in those terms um, is Genesis 3, is the fall. It's honestly the story of the Old Testament. It's the story of the scriptures. Is that God created humanity in his image. And if you're a guest with us, we want you to know there is something beautiful about you. You are made in the image of God. God has put his imprint on you and he has given you, unlike any other creatures, the ability to worship and treasure and um, reason and think and have wisdom and all those kind of things, unlike any other creature on the planet. You have dignity because God has stamped his image on you. That's Genesis 1 and 2. But there's also something fundamentally broken about us because of Genesis 3. That all of us have gone astray. All of us, all of our hearts have disobeyed God. All of us, as Romans 3 says, have fallen short of the glory of God. 
that daily, this is a part of us, it's deep within us, it's in our nature, but it also exists in our actions every single day. That we fall short of the glory of God over and over and over and over again. And we see this happen very plainly in Genesis 3. That God creates the world, man, woman, in Genesis 1 and 2, and every part of it's good. The first time he says something is not good when he looks at man who's alone. And what does God do? He puts Adam to sleep. He takes his rib out. He performs a quick surgery. Adam wakes up and sees Eve and breaks out into poetry, right? This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. He just starts singing, names her, claims her like she is with me. She is like me. She is mine. God, you're perfect in all of your ways. And Genesis 2 ends when everything is perfect. Humanity and right relationship with one another. Humanity and right relationship with God. And the very next verse Forget the chapter breaks and all those things is Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other creature in the garden. And we see man deceived, fallen to sin, and everything we hate about the world entered it in that moment. Everything that makes Christmas so hard. And I don't want to, to skip past the fact that some of you are bringing real pain into this Christmas season. That one of the beauties about Christmas is we look back on this year. This is our last service of the year. We look back and we celebrate all of the life. We celebrate the marriages. We celebrate the births. We celebrate the engagements. We look back and rejoice. And, and hear me, church, we are rejoicing with you. But we also look back at the pain and the loss and the sickness and the diagnosis that changed everything and the tragedy and the accidents. And some of you, it didn't happen this year. It happened last year. Um, but you don't have to look very far to see the effects of Genesis 3 in our world today. Turn on the news for a couple minutes and you see that the effects of sin, God shows up after Adam and Eve's sin and he shows, says that, that death has entered the world, um, that, that the ground is even, that creation is marred because of the fall, that Romans says that creation is even growing, longing for the redemption that would come in Christ's second coming. But look around, look at your family, look at my family. We see the effects of Genesis 3 and, and after that, Genesis 4, what happens? First family, Adam and Eve have Cain and Abel and we see one brother murder another brother in the next chapter. If you look at Genesis 5, you see the genealogy from Adam and Eve all the way down to Noah. And the, the most repeated phrase in that whole section is, and he died and he died and he died and he died and he died. And we see death reign. And the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of Christmas, is God did not come to the garden, come to Adam and Eve, and give them a list of rules. Hey, here's a list of rules. I'm going to give you about 2,000 years, and when I come back, I better see some righteousness in here, right? And if your view, if, you, if you're here with us this morning, if you're a guest, and that's your view of this book, that this is God's word given to us that we might be good enough and do right enough and act better enough to where we earn our own righteousness, then you're in good company because the scribes and the Pharisees thought that too, but I wanna encourage you that you might have been misled. That the beauty of this book, the beauty of the gospel was not um, that God would give us rules to, to save ourselves, in fact, it was his law, it was his standard that was to reveal to us that we could never save ourselves. We could never be good enough. 
And since the children shared in flesh and blood, the story of the Old Testament is God sending judges, God sending prophets, God sending kings, God sending his word, God redeeming his people out of slavery and exodus, and God giving his people his law, his word, um, his leaders. And unfortunately, the story of the Old Testament is the leaders were sinful and broken, the judges were, the prophets were, the kings were. Despite all that they did, they couldn't defeat the sin within themselves. And despite all that God gave the people, the people couldn't respond to God's word and obey it. And it was never meant, this was never meant to be a ladder where if you just could finally get God's word right in your behavior, then God would look at you and deem you worthy of heaven. That's not the gospel message. The gospel message was God gave us his perfect standard to show us that we needed a savior. That since we shared in flesh and blood, what did God do? He likewise partook of the same things. That this story is pointing to a savior. And all throughout the Bible, pick a character. the, The Bible is pointing to one man. This whole story culminates in one human being. Fully God, fully man, eternally existed from eternity past to eternity future, one man. He would be a liberator and a deliverer like Moses. He would be a father to nations like Abraham. He would be a sacrifice like Isaac. He would be a king like David. He would speak the words of God like all of the prophets. He would rule righteously like all of the judges should have. It was pointing and anticipating and exposing our need for one man. And that man was Jesus Christ. And he came down from heaven since the children shared in flesh and blood and we were dead in our sin and we could not overcome our sin. We could not be good enough to save ourselves. He likewise partook of the same things so that he could live the life that we could never live. Hebrews says that he was tempted in every way, yet he did not sin, that he came down to this earth. And like I said earlier, he didn't show up as an adult with fireworks and a press release and adult Jesus is here, worship me. No, he came in the form of a servant. He came in the form of a baby. If you think about some of our greatest literature, and I know I shared this with the the Carville campus a couple weeks ago, um, Shakespeare comes to mind. One of the greatest um, authors, one of the greatest creatives, um, one of the greatest um, gifts to, to literature was Shakespeare. And no matter how hard Hamlet, this character in a story, no matter how hard Hamlet tried, he could never meet Shakespeare. He lives in a world that's got Shakespeare's thumbprint on it. He sees the effects of Shakespeare's handiwork all around him. But the only way Hamlet could ever meet Shakespeare is if Shakespeare writes himself into the story. And that's what we celebrate about Christmas is the creator wrote himself into the story. And it was his, his plan from eternity past to eternity future to redeem a people for himself. We celebrate the fact that God came down and partook of the same things, partook of the flesh and the blood. As God, he could not die. But as God and man, he could die the death that you and I deserve. And he took on human flesh. The first step to Calvary was the cradle. And Jesus Christ took on flesh and blood. Why did he do these things? Why did he partake of the flesh and blood? That through death, he might destroy the one who has power of death, that is the devil. That Jesus Christ and the eternal wise plan of God through his death would destroy death. 
1 John 3, 8 makes it pretty clear. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That the reason Jesus came wasn't to give you a list of rules, wasn't to give you self-help. It was to destroy the works of the devil. It was to destroy death. It was to destroy this bondage of guilt and shame that you're walking in and your sin and I'm walking in and my sin. It was to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. Jesus tells this parable. It's probably one of my favorite parables. He says, there's a strong man who has all of his things and no one can take it. And we think, okay, that must be talking about Jesus. And it's actually not. He's talking about the devil. That there's this strong man, as Ephesians 2 says, that we're all dead in our sin, um, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that we can't save ourselves. We are in bondage to our sin. There's a strong man who has, if you're not in Christ, who has dominion over us. The sons of darkness, as scripture calls us. And what does Jesus tell us about this man? He says there's a stronger man who came and beat up the strong man and took his things and brought them back to himself. That's the Christmas story, is that the stronger one is here. You don't have to earn this salvation. You don't have to earn this righteousness. You don't have to earn this holiness. It was earned for you. The stronger one has come. And that's why we celebrate, is in the middle of loss, in the middle of brokenness, in the middle of pain, God himself took on human flesh. Why? So that he might destroy the works of the devil. And he has done that. Let me be clear. He has done it. At the cross, he said his work is finished. And it is completely finished. We are justified in Christ. Our sanctification is in Christ. Our holiness is in Christ. However, it is finished at the cross. But the beauty of Advent is as we look back to Jesus' first coming and all that he accomplished, we also look forward to his second coming. Because sin is defeated, and death has lost its sting in Christ. But where we are now in God's sovereign plan is we still see the effects of sin in our world. He has freed us from the penalty of sin and our justification. He is freeing us now from the power of sin as the Spirit works in us and overcomes sin, overcomes temptation as we live our lives according to his word and listen to his Spirit. We've been freed from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and one day we look forward to the second coming. The second advent, when he will free us from the very presence of sin. The works of the devil have been destroyed in Christ. And as we still live and experience the brokenness and the fallenness and all the effects of sin, we have hope in Christ, we have joy in Christ, we have peace in Christ, and we look forward to that day when sin is completely destroyed. The very presence of it is destroyed. And that's the beauty of Christmas, is the clock started. Christ came, he defeated sin, and now we wait for his second coming. So he came that he might destroy the one who has the power over death, that is the devil, and then do this, deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. That you and I, powerless against the law, our only response would be fear. We are rightly and justly deserving of God's wrath. We are in our sin. God would be totally just to give us exactly what we deserve, but the beauty of the gospel is God hasn't given us what we deserve. In Christ, he's given us all that Jesus deserves, and he put all that we deserve on his own son. And the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus came to be our substitute, but God is just. If you're in here and you don't know Christ, our prayer is that you would hear this warning, hear this good news of the gospel, and run to the cross in repentance and faith, and trust in what Jesus has done. We long for a God 
who calls evil evil and punishes evil. The issue with that is for God to deal with evil, he would have to deal with us. And that's why Christmas is so sweet. As Jesus Christ came down to be our substitute, to live the life you and I could never live, to set us free from the bondage of our sin and die the death that you and I deserve. Amen? Amen. That we would be delivered from the fear of death and lifelong slavery. And if you're in here this morning, um, there's actually a moment in the Gospels where Jesus is approached about the Scriptures. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they're looking for some things to do to find their own righteousness in their behavior. And Jesus responds with, you search these scriptures because you think that in them, in obeying these rules, you'll have eternal life. But he says, it's these scriptures that bear witness about me. They were never meant to give you a list of things to save you because we are powerless against the law. We can't obey this enough to save us. But it was these scriptures, it was this word, it was the Christmas story that points to the Savior. It was the list of rules that points to the liberator. It was the help that we have in the scriptures. And it is God's holy word. It is good for us. It is the only thing which we live by. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but everywhere that comes from the mouth of God. But it was, these, it was this help in the scriptures that was meant to point us to the hero who would do for us what we could never do for ourselves. And I want to read this to you, and then we'll respond um, as a church family. And what I have been praying will be a unique way. Um, but this is Romans chapter 8. And uh, I just want to read a section of it to you. Um, it says this, starting in verse 1. And this won't be on the screen, I apologize. Um, but if you want to flip there quickly, you can, or, or just listen. But it says this, There is now for no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. The only weapon the enemy has against us is our sin. And if you are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, if you are justified by his blood, by his grace as a gift, the enemy cannot bring a charge against you anymore. The only charge he has against you is your sin. And if your sin is covered, if your sin is put on Christ, there is no charge he can bring against you. There's no condemnation for you if you're in Christ. And it says this later on in Romans 8. He ends this way. He says the very same thing. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we're being killed all day long. We, reg we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, great time to lose my spot, um, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's the beauty of the gospel. We were enslaved to our sin and the power of sin was the law. We could not obey the law, we could not be good enough to earn our righteousness 
And Jesus Christ came to set us free from the bondage of the law. How? He didn't abolish the law. He didn't throw it out. God didn't say, tough luck, humanity. We'll try a different route. No, God himself took on human flesh and obeyed the law in our place to the point where now through his death, he might destroy the one who has the power over death. Death has lost its sting. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But praise be to God that he has overcome the power of the law through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if you're in here this morning, if you're a family member, if you're a guest and you do not have that freedom from the fear of death that will enslave you till the day you die, if you don't have that freedom from the roller coaster ride of trying to earn God's favor and his love with your behavior, it's found in a person. The Prince of Peace is a person. The Wonderful Counselor is a person. The Mighty God is a person. And what was so fascinating about Isaiah 9 is the everlasting God would one day die so that you and I could live everlasting. John ends his gospel with these things were written so that in these words, in this gospel, you would have eternal life. And eternal life is found in Jesus Christ. So if you don't know him, we would give up our Christmas Eve afternoon to talk to you about the gospel. We would be happy to. But one of the things I want us to do as we wrap up, and I really want to give us time to worship and all of those things, is um, as I said earlier, Christmas time is a time where we rejoice with you who rejoice as a church family, two campuses together. We want to rejoice with you, but we also want to make space to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. And Christmas is a heavy time. Although death has been defeated at the cross, we still experience earthly death. And so many people say, you know, death is just a part of life. And my response is, no, it's not. It's the end of it. And you see Jesus look at death in the face with Lazarus and he weeps. Why? Because this was not the plan. This was not as it should be. And knowing that Jesus would provide, I'd call it a resuscitation of Lazarus because Lazarus would go on one day to die again. Although Jesus would bring life to Lazarus again for a short time, he still looks at death and says, this should not be so. This was not the plan. And just like Lazarus, just like Mary and Martha, we still feel the result of the fall in our lives on a daily basis, especially around the table at Christmas time. And one of the things we want to do is just to give space for you. Um, if that's you this season, if you've lost a family member, I mean, it's been a crazy two or three years. It doesn't have to be this year. But if you're coming to the table this Christmas as a part of our church family, missing some smiles and some faces, um, we want to give you a moment um, as we remember that death has been defeated, but also as we remember those who have gone before us. We're going to have some time over these next few moments where as a family, um, I know... I can't speak for the East Memphis campus just because I'm here all the time. We've had a lot of families in our church lose loved ones this year. And we just want to make some space for you as a family um, over the next few minutes. If you want to come down and light one of these candles in memory and in honor of those that we've lost. It's an opportunity for us to weep with those who weep. If you're an elder at High Point and you want to kind of make your way, just be available. Um, I'm springing this on them, so that's okay. But uh, just kind of hang out on the sides. If you need prayer, they'll be around. We'd love to pray with you. 
But we're gonna make some space just to be a church family and then the band will lead us in response. Um, But for you to come down as a family, moms, dads, kids, if you want to, and just to come down and light a candle in memory of those that we've lost. And it doesn't have to be this year. It can be recent. Um, But I want to, to remind us too, our greatest... One of, one of the most misleading things I can do this morning is just to talk about physical death. Um, our greatest problem is not physical death, it's spiritual death. And in light of scripture, in fact, all of us are eternal beings. Those who knew Christ and those who did not, everyone is going to be resurrected one day. Our greatest issue is not just escaping physical death. That's coming for all of us. That's a result of the fall. It's spiritual death. It's a life eternally separated from the love of God. And you can have that love that nothing could ever separate, as we've just read in Romans 8, if you find it in Christ Jesus. So if you don't know the gospel, please come down. We'd love to talk to you. Um, But we're going to make space. Let me pray. And then um, feel free to come down as a family. This isn't required. We're not trying to manufacture a moment, but we do want to give you a moment. And then the band... Um, will lead us in song um, because in the midst of loss, Jesus Christ was worthy of our worship then. He's worthy of our worship now. He's worthy of all praise because in him, death has been defeated. Death has lost its sting. So let's remember and then we'll worship together as a church family. Amen. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the Christmas season where we look back at your first coming. God, all that you accomplished, the work is finished. And God, now we wait. And we don't wait because you're slow. We don't wait because you're impatient. God, we wait because you've given us a mission. God, Peter writes that you're not slow as we would count slowness, but you're patient, you're gracious, desiring that people would repent. So God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. God, that as we look forward to your second coming, that we would live our lives on mission to reconcile others to yourself through the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Help us to remember it and treasure it this Christmas season. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen.